the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today we are in Revelation chapter 13, as well as Daniel chapter 7. It's a look at the dragon and the beast. That's next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. is an awful lot of speculation and much has been written about the dragon and the beast found here in Revelation chapter 13. Well, over the next couple of programs here on Abounding Grace, Pastor Gary Wagner will explore Revelation 13 as well as Daniel chapter 7 and the first seven verses as we explore what God's Word has to say about the dragon and the beast recorded here in Revelation 13 from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's Pastor Gary in today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. And then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast." They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who was like the beast and who was able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him Let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he declares those who dwell on the earth, 
He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many to not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. If you remember from last week as we studied the 12th chapter of Revelation, we ended with verse 17 in talking about Satan's stupid war. Even though Satan has been defeated and he knows he has been defeated, he has blind rage and hatred for Christ and his church. So even though he knows he has no future, he wages, continues to wage war against a certain kind of professed Christian. And that is those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. He doesn't wage war against everyone who professes to be a Christian. As we saw last week, Some professed Christians are of no threat to him whatsoever, so he simply leaves them in peace. But those who are the greatest threat to him and that he hates the most are those who obey the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, in the 13th chapter, you see the great weapons that Satan uses in this war, Leviathan and Behemoth. And he takes these creatures from animals that were at least alive in Old Testament times, in the days of Job, possibly up to the days of Jesus. The Leviathan was a great sea dinosaur, and the behemoth was a great land dinosaur. And here are two beasts that Satan uses to symbolize and carry on his stupid war with Christians. And John says in verse 1, I stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Now, we have already seen that in both Old and New Testament, the sea was a figure of speech for mankind in rebellion against God, like raging waves. You see this not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, like in Isaiah 57.20, where it says... The wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuge and mud. Here he sees this beast coming out of a rebellious human race, hostile to God. It could be something else also. I mean, he's standing on the seashore, and he's looking out over the Mediterranean Sea, And off of the Italian peninsula, there is this beast, which we are going to see represents the Roman Empire as a world power. In chapter 4, 
it talks about four beasts that were around the throne of God. But that word for beast is a different word entirely uh, than the word here. For beast means an animal that is ferocious, an animal that is a killer, that is bloodthirsty. It says, and I saw this ferocious beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were seven diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Now, we know that we're supposed to use our imaginations when we read the book of Revelation, right? But sometimes it just stretches your imagination, We have seen before that the word horn in the Old Testament particularly is a symbol for strength. Remember? So here you see a powerful, bloodthirsty beast with ten horns. That is a sign of great power. He had seven heads and on his horns he had seven diadems. Now that is telling. It doesn't say on his heads were these seven diadems. That is where you expect a crown to go, but they were on his horns, the horns of this creature. So get the picture. There are these great horns, and each one of them has a crown. Now what does that tell you? That tells you here is just plain naked power. Here is a beast that worships, as it were, power, which symbolized naked power in rebellion against God. It is these horns, these symbols of power that are crowned. Another thing could be this, which is that during the days of Nero, there were ten imperial provinces in the Roman Empire. And we'll actually get to that more in chapter 17. But also, uh, these heads could be a reference to the seven Caesars, of which Nero was the sixth. There was Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, Caligula, Claudius, Nero, and then Galba. It could be referring to them. But the point, I think, is merely... This is tremendous power, tremendous authority. And on his head were blasphemous names. So what were these blasphemous names? They were pretended names of autonomous sovereignty. This beast saw himself as totally independent of the sovereignty of Almighty God and saw himself as a sovereign that demanded total allegiance. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. So see, you see here a reference back to what Ken read in Daniel 7 with these four great beasts representing the great empires of the world. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And the picture in Daniel 7, the fourth beast, which was Rome, as you can see from that reading, was the most powerful and wicked of them all. And now here in Revelation 13, you see this fourth beast, 
bearing all of the worst traits of all of the great tyrannical governments that are represented in Daniel 7. So this great beast is also under the driving force and governing power of Satan. He does what Satan tells him to do. And the dragon, who we saw last week was Satan, gave the beast his power and his throne and his authority. So here this tremendous beast, based upon absolute naked power, the Roman Empire, as we will continue to see, is energized by and governed by Satan himself. So here is a tyrannical world power that is under the authority and the dominion of Satan as a slave in Satan's hands. But even though the beast is satanic and anti-Christian from beginning to end, even though his authority is based upon power makes right, it is all a pretended autonomy. It is all a pretended sovereignty. Because whatever power this beast from the sea had, the Roman Empire, was derived. It was not ultimate. We see these in verses 5, 7, 14, and 15 repeated over and over again as we shall see and have seen in previous chapters. Certain power was given to him. Certain authority was given to him. But as powerful and totalitarian as this beast was, and in some cases still today, the head of the church is still in control of history and all of the affairs of men, even his enemies, even this beast. He could not act at all if the Lord Jesus Christ did not allow him to act. So if God moves the tongues, and the arms of man, there can be no real evil or threat so far as saints are concerned. And whatever this beasts, these beasts do to us, it is only a concealed good. You got that? It is a concealed good, no matter what it may be. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So the beast assumes and pretends independence from God, totalitarian sovereignty over all of life, and claims to be divine. It says in verse 4, they worship the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? And who was able to wage war with him? Now, what did I say was the meaning of Michael's name in the previous chapter that was a symbol of Christ? It is what is like unto God. And the reason is in chapter 12, no one other than the one who bears this title, that is Christ himself, can defeat the beast. And yet... Here you have the beast claiming incomparability, claiming to be the incomparable one. Who is as great as the beast? And the implied answer that they want is no one. Not the God of the Christians, not Jesus, no one. 
Who is able to stand up in war against the beast? And of course, they expect the world to say, no one is like the beast. Who is as competent as the beast? No one. Now that is actually the faith of way too many Christians today, beloved. That when there is any kind of crisis in life, from health to jobs to economic issues or whatever it may be, the first thing Americans think is the government is the omnicompetent institution, that the government is competent in all areas, more competent than everyone else to help us through all of these various areas and troubles of life. Who is like unto the beast? Now, a true Christian would say, of course, God is even greater than the beast. But you see, the point is here that the beast claims to be divine. He is a great pretender. He is a great imitator, a great counterfeit. And like all totalitarian states, this beast attributes to itself powers and authorities that belong exclusively to God. And that is the way it has always been to this day with reference to power states that claim for themselves authority and rights and sovereignty which belong to God alone. And they are all idolaters. Ancient Rome and Egypt and many of the other nations in the ancient world view their rulers as gods. Communism recognizes no God except the state and it doesn't hesitate to speak of the state as God. You may say, well, oh man, I'm glad I live in a democracy. Well, let me tell you what a modern democracy says. It claims to be the voice of the people. And the voice of the people, they say, is the voice of God. So whenever any kind of civil government builds itself upon a revolt against God, it always becomes a counterfeit God. It always imitates God and claims and usurps authority that belong to God alone. Today, the United States government makes promises and demands only God can make. They promise cradle-to-grave security, and they demand our property and our children. They require allegiance to unconstitutional and ungodly demands because the magistrates, you see, see themselves above Almighty God, determining good and evil for us. Satan, indeed, is a great counterfeiter and imitator. Let's go back to verse 3. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, And they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, now, before we look at this wound, which is brought up two or three times, here he is wounded, he's slain with a sword, but he apparently is saved from the dead or the wound actually wasn't fatal and he recuperates. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, but it is a big thing in this passage. And I want you to notice first that to worship the beast and to worship Satan is the same thing. There is no difference. Now, what is it to worship an anti-Christian totalitarian civil government? 
It is to give unquestioned allegiance to it, to obey it no matter what. You know, many doctors said, very wicked doctors, back during the days of the Nazi regime, when they were being held accountable for all of their experimentation, and this was along with the brutality of many of the soldiers, over and over again they said, we were simply doing what we were ordered to do, and a good soldier obeys orders unquestioningly. No, he does not. A Christian soldier sometimes disobeys orders if those orders command him to disobey God. And the point I'm getting at is that that same absolute blind allegiance that was given to Hitler is still today in this country the attitude of many liberals and conservatives. We have bumper stickers that say, America, love it or leave it. There was an ultra-right-wing organization that had a bumper sticker that I cringed every time I saw, and it said, Sovereign forever. And it wasn't talking about God. It was talking about the people of the United States. But beloved, only God is sovereign, period. And he's sovereign forever. In fact, it's interesting the way the word sovereignty has crept into the American language over the past 200 years. We often speak of the federal government's sovereignty or the sovereignty of the states. Whereas our founding fathers in the 16 and 1700s were very hesitant to ever use the word sovereignty concerning any institution except for Almighty God. Because God is the eternal sovereign. And any authority that man has is delegated by God. And I'm trying to show you here that if you give the civil government unquestioned allegiance, that you do whatever it tells you to do, you are worshiping the beast. If it tells you to jump and you ask how high, and you never ask, you never question it, you never differ with it, you never resist it, you never say no to it, you depend upon the civil government for cradle to grave security. You think there is no one in all of North America that is as competent as the state to take care of you when you're sick, when you're poor, when you are without a job, when you're old, when you are in need of legal advice, you are worshiping the beast. Caesar would let various religions alone for a while. And all they had to do was worship their own God of their choice. But they also had to at least profess to worship Caesar. They could worship in their churches and in their homes, whatever they wanted to do. But whenever they were around Caesar or any of his statues, or any of his insignias, they had to bow. They had to make some kind of public profession that Caesar is Lord. So that was the way of life in this beastly state in the first century. And it has been the way of life for many people in every century since. That as long as you swear some kind of unquestioned allegiance to Caesar, 
You can worship however you like, but you must obey him without question. That's what it is to worship the beast. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. 